United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky, and we are indeed reunited in Kansas City for the United Soccer Coaches Convention. This is your convention edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast, released on Wednesday, the start of the convention, which will run through Sunday, and we have seven amazing guests. The new incoming president, Ashley Fontes Comber, gets us started. Then we meet the new COO of United Soccer Coaches, Angie Eliason. Kyle Martino, who will be on Podcast Row on Friday and Saturday. You talk about a big-timer. Gatorade Player of the Year at Staples High School in Connecticut. Remember that high school as it relates to another guest on today's show. Went to Virginia, played in MLS for Columbus and L.A., made nearly 10 appearances for the U.S. national team, big-timer on NBC Sports, ran for president of U.S. Soccer. He is now dedicating his time to the Over Under Initiative, which is basically turning basketball courts into soccer courts with this incredible system with pop-up goals. Amazing. Kyle Martino is on. Speaking of podcast row, Anna Witte, who played at Castle, now known as NCFC Youth, then went to Penn State to play under Erica Dombach, where she wanted to get a broadcast journalism degree. She got that degree, and she is using it. She has called games with me on the Big Ten Network. She's called North Carolina Courage games with me. She calls other NWSL games. She's an analyst, a sideline reporter, a host, and she's also a lifestyle reporter for a station in Charleston. On Thursday, I will be out calling an ACC women's basketball game. So Anna Witte will be the co-host of this show, the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. You'll get to know her and you'll want to stop by and see her on Podcast Row, repping the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. After Anna, it's a letter of commendation winner. I mentioned Staples High School. Kyle Martino's coach was Dan Wogue, where he's been for 19 years before recently announcing his retirement. He writes for Soccer America, and he is the original chair for the LGBTQ Plus and Allies Advocacy Group, Dan Wogue, a well-deserved letter of commendation. He's on the show. The Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group for United Soccer Coaches is celebrating 25 years. They're led by their amazing leader, Nicole Hercules, who also joins us. And then it's only fitting just a couple days after Martin Luther King Jr. Day that one of the black members of the 30 under 30 class, Stokely Davis, looking to do great things in Chicago as a member of our 30 under 30 class, will wrap up the show. Normally, we pop it right now to a message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. But before we do that, how about a welcome from our incoming president of United Soccer Coaches? This is Ashley Fontes Comber, the incoming president for United Soccer Coaches, and I look forward to seeing you all in Kansas City. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. 
This is the convention episode and kicking off the convention is our incoming president, Ashley Fontes Comer. Last week was Dr. Missy Price, the outgoing president. They will hand over the gavel to Ashley Fontes Comer. So not only do we get to welcome you, Ashley, but we ask you to welcome everybody to Kansas City. Dean, thanks for having me as always. Uh, and I want to give a, a special welcome to everyone that will be in attendance. Kansas City cannot wait to see all the folks that are going to be there and we'll definitely miss the ones that, that will not be there. How about the process for you? I believe this is your fifth year, right? Because you have one more year after your presidency, right? How has the process been for you? Yeah, so I've already served four years, heading into my fifth year this year. Uh, it's been a, a great process. You know, I like observing and learning from others and to, to be able to be in the boardroom and, and experience different leadership styles has been fantastic. To learn the association from a different perspective has also been invaluable and, you know, creates even stronger ties, you know, heartstring ties for me to the association and its membership. But it's been a really good growth process. I can't complain. Uh, just a lot to to celebrate and appreciate for the, the people that I have been around. You walk in the doors, the new president with the new CEO. Obviously, we tip our hat to Lynn Burling Manuel, who has had such great service, not only to United Soccer Coaches, but to soccer in general. Now, Jeff Van Dusen, who feels like a lifer for the association. I think it's an honor for him to have this role as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you know, Lynn has been phenomenal. She's always been an outstanding professional, great business acumen and expertise, and we'll definitely miss her. You know, it's it's been an absolute privilege to have gotten to know her over the years. And then, you know, it's it's always a bittersweet transition when when somebody good is going, but somebody good is is coming in as well. Jeff is fantastic. He is that that guy that you'd want to play on the team for. You know, he's he rallies people together. I still remember my first interaction with him at one of the conventions at the end when he's, you know, celebrating all of his staff. And you could just tell there was just such a phenomenal quality within him that people just gravitated towards because he is a, a truly endearing person that that cares about the human first and foremost and really truly believes in the association as being for all people, all levels of coaching. So I'm really excited to see see how he takes on and, and navigates things for us. Well, that is so spot on as I think about the kind of person that he is indeed. And, you know, then when I look at you and I think about all of the podcasts, you know, we do 52 podcasts a year and everyone is loaded with superstars. I'm always blown away for having this incredible seat, but, you know, definitely this year we've been more about if she can see it, she can be it, making sure that women and women of color see the opportunity to be involved in the sport. That's got to make you feel pretty good, Ashley. Yeah, it, it it absolutely does. Progress takes time and it takes a lot of patience as well. It's not ever been a case where where women or women of color haven't been capable of doing things or taking on these roles, but I truly believe it's more so been people in power haven't been willing to open up and share some of those spaces. I think, you know, I was very, very fortunate that four years ago, people rallied around and said, all right, you know, it's it's time. And now here I am. So I, I hope I do, you know, a great job, you know, for everyone that's been rooting behind me. Cause I know it's, this goes well beyond me being in this role. It, it means a lot to some that, you know, have been waiting. And it also means a lot to those that now can, can see it and know that this does exist for, 
for all people. Another part of the, if you can see it, you can be it, particularly if she can see it, she can be it, is the notion that you can be a mom and still keep doing what you love. You're another example of that, as I know your kids mean everything to you, but I also know that they have your back and are fully supportive of you as you enter this big role. Yeah, I think I think being, if you are a mom as a primary caregiver and you're still trying to excel in other things, there's a bit of insanity that's built into us <laughs> as well. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just not possible. I mean, the, the amount of support that you have to have around you to be able to do this and want to be successful and have your, you know, still have your own lane of creativity and independence and, and career opportunity. It has its own challenges, but, you know, I've seen, I've seen others do it. Um, I know there's a lot now in this space doing it, which is fantastic. Again, I still remember standing on the, the sidelines coaching and I'm, you know, eight months pregnant and, my 12 year old players are asking me, you know, they, my belly sticking out and my t-shirt is skin tight on it. Cause that that's, you know, there's no maternity soccer coaching clothes. And they're concerned <laughs> that I'm suffocating the baby because you know, the, my, because the, the shirt's so tight on my belly. So I think it's so important for these young kids to, to see it boys and girls too. There are no limits to what you're able to do regardless, you know, despite any, any socially constructed realities that are out there, it doesn't matter your gender, your, your identity, your race, ethnicity, any of your backgrounds, only you can be your own barrier. There's always a way to get through, to break through, to create new lanes, or to be inspired by others that have, have done it before you. Even a real with Ashley Fontes Comer talking stories about being eight months pregnant. I, I absolutely love that. And you're not done there, like reaching for the stars. You're working on your doctorate. Get us updated on that mission. Oh my gosh. I'm sure now that you mentioned that people are like, weren't we just, weren't we talking about that last year, the year before? <laughs> when is she ever going to be done? <laughs> That's a journey in its own. It's been good. It, it's been, I think, you know, the first real challenge that I took on for myself selfishly in, in my own right. Um, I just, I wanted that challenge. I wanted to, to round myself out a little bit more having an academic research background. I didn't realize it was going to be so incredible and a, a fantastic experience for me. And it's challenged me. Like I have never been challenged before. And hopefully, let's say fingers crossed, hopefully this time next year, when we're chatting, it will be doctor. Ashley Fontes. So that's kind of where, where I am now. Hopefully I'll, I'll wrap it up this year. Oh, that'll be perfect. So when we do the interview, right, the week before the convention, exactly, we'll say Dr. Ashley Fontes Comer. Look, I'm kind of like a broken record. I do go back to the same things, but, you know, I love your story. The fact that, you know, your dad and your uncle is an American football family, not the world's football, but how are they feeling? They must be super excited about uh, your involvement in the other football in this country. They, they must be super stoked. Yeah, I think, you know, they, yes, they are. The culture in my family, we're just, we're really tightly connected. You know, that's a, my father's family is Portuguese coming from Cape Verde and we're just all really close knit. We celebrate each other and everyone's accomplishments. And sometimes I think we're just trying to keep up with each other. It's just a, it's a truly a fantastic family with a, a lot of pride, but family centric values. So I think they're happy. I don't, I still don't think they can watch a game and understand soccer, but you know, it's, it's a good, it's a good group. Remind everybody that uh, her uncle Wayne was the longtime coach of the lions coached 
Barry Sanders and he may even coach Billy Sims. I'm not sure. I mean, he definitely had some good teams there when, when he was there. I can't exactly remember the era. All right, let's finish with checklist time, two checklists, one, just a checklist on what you personally want to accomplish at the convention. And then just to get your wheels spinning when you're done, I'm going to ask you for a checklist of a couple of things you want to accomplish during your one year presidency. So let's start with the convention. What are two or three things you definitely are looking forward to? One, get around to as many people as I can. I want to, you know, engage with our members, our fantastic exhibitors. The exhibit hall, for me, it's like uh, going to a toy store when you're little, right? There's, there's always new, new things out there, people that you've seen before, just the evolution of their products and services. That's always a great time going in there. Reconnecting with some of our sponsors and our volunteers who are amazing. So that's, you know, one is just trying to get around and make sure I get to see as many people as possible. Two, on a personal side, I'm I'm really excited about, you know, the monumental occasion of it's not just me stepping in this presidential role, but for Missy to be passing the baton to me. I think it's a it's a special moment that shouldn't be overlooked. She is absolutely and has always been and will continue to be a, a champion for diversity and inclusion. So to continue on and follow in her footsteps, and I think we we really align well with you know, our beliefs. So I think that's a, a really positive moment to capture at the convention and, uh, you know, the meaning behind it for, for the direction the association is going. And then thirdly, you know, I love advocacy. Our advocacy groups are phenomenal. I cannot wait to get to the sessions, uh, the panels that they're having. The socials are awesome. And, and big shout out to the the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group, they're celebrating their 25th year anniversary, which hopefully it, you know, we go out with a bang at the, at the social and uh, don't get in too much trouble for all this <laughs> celebration. But um, there's, there's so many really good people in those advocacy groups, and I really do appreciate them, and I, I can't wait to, to get out and see them. All right. And this one's a little bit tougher because you've got a whole year, but uh, maybe just, you know, two or three things that you're looking forward to getting involved with or accomplished during your presidency. It's definitely tough. I think a broader scope is, you know, just always keeping the health association first, having going through the thick of COVID then thinking we're out of it. And now, you know, it's kind of like trickling away. Hopefully we'll see health associations. Number one, you know, making sure Jeff is as successful as possible. So that means that we have to be the best board that we can be for him um, as we navigate that transition, keeping a pulse on the great work that our advocacy groups are doing. They, they can get into communities at a much more granular level than we can. And again, like I said in the beginning, it's so important for us to be able to listen and hear people's in different communities, their adversity and triumphs so we can understand our coaches and what they really need from a very diverse perspective. And then finally, my biggest bright spot is the women's game. I think that that is our strength in this country. How do we make connections? How do we, we really collaborate to, to push it forward and engage those coaches, get more women in coaching? But ultimately, you know, I can use that to, to spearhead some things, but ultimately just unifying the, the landscape as a whole would be a, a great step forward or accomplishment. 
two great checklists that are outstanding and very detailed. I will end with this. I will tell you that uh, one of the highlights I look forward to, and I'm going to sound like a sycophant, but you have such a calming way about yourself. I always, always look forward to having you back behind the stage as we do the honor banquet, and that won't change with you as the president. Uh, I'm looking forward to that and seeing you backstage and then on the stage. Um, that'll be a great moment. Uh, congratulations on your presidency as you come in. Good luck to you. And if there's anything I can do to help you, just let me know. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Dean. I, I look forward to seeing you as well and uh, seeing the whole crew in, in Kansas City. We are just getting rolling as Ashley Fontes Comer, the first of seven guests. Up next, we meet the new chief operating officer hired by the new CEO, Jeff Van Dusen. Her name is Angie Eliason. She's got an impressive resume and she's going to do great things at United Soccer Coaches. We meet Angie Eliason, the new COO, after this message. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. This is the convention issue of the United Soccer Coaches podcast released on Wednesday, the start of the United Soccer Coaches convention. And we are so pleased to have two special welcomes. Of course, we heard from Ashley Fontes Comer, the new incoming president, and also Jeff Van Dusen, so excited about his new chief operating officer, Angie Eliason. And Angie joins me now. Angie, welcome to our convention issue of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Yeah, thanks, Dean. I'm happy to be here. Super excited. All of us have been talking quite a bit about Jeff Van Dusen, started as an intern, now as the CEO. One of Jeff's first big moves was bringing you in as chief operating officer. Can you share with us what it means to have that role? Yeah, you know what? It's, it's an honor getting to uh, start fresh here with Jeff. He's got some great ideas moving the association forward. Super excited to have everyone here in Kansas City right now, meeting a bunch of people I haven't previously met and seeing old friends. I think the association is going to be in great hands. Well, and he feels the same way about you and your new role. So let's get to know you a little bit. Tell us where you grew up, where you went to school, what your path was, some of your key stops along the way, if you don't mind. I grew up in North Dakota on a farm, which uh, many people are surprised to hear. Uh, but it's great. Went to college, played basketball, got my master's at uh, University of Nebraska, worked with uh, Division One women's ice hockey for a while up in Minnesota, became the executive director of Nevada Youth Soccer, which uh, has paved my path forward, especially in the soccer realm since. Was the director of operations and events at U.S. Youth, helping run the national championships, most recently owning my own business helping execute all of Major League Soccer's league events. I also am the director of the DE Turf Sports Complex I'm in South Delaware and now the CEO of United Soccer Coaches. It's been um, a very interesting but fun and exciting path. Met a, a lot of amazing people. I've had some of the greatest life experiences and I look forward to that just moving forward as well. I do want to grab on to that women's basketball. I actually will miss one day of the United Soccer Coaches Convention because I call a lot of women's basketball. I love, love the sport. Where did you play uh, your women's basketball? I played at an NAI school in North Dakota, Mayville State. 
you know, it's a little bit full circle. Every year in March, I am the director and production manager for the NAIA Men's Basketball Championships as well here in Kansas City. So I, I haven't completely let go of basketball for soccer. Awesome. I love both sports and uh, sounds like you do as well. Before we get into some key initiatives that uh, you're going to be working with Jeff Van Dusen on, how about an opening welcome to everybody that's attending? And then also, I know you're taking big steps for safety as part of the convention that starts today. We're excited to have everyone here in Kansas City. It's where our home is. We're hoping to get as many people down and see the office at Union Station. There's Lots to see and do and showcase. People kind of consider it the flyover city, but uh, I think we're going to open their eyes to uh, what Kansas City has to offer and what a great place it is. As far as the pandemic, it's unfortunate we're still in it, but uh, we have all of our staff wearing masks, strongly encouraging them all to be vaccinated and have their booster shots upon arrival. We're strongly encouraging all of our attendees to have masks on. We have signage. The convention center hotels, obviously, are doing extra cleaning to keep things as safe as possible. We have masks available if anyone's looking for them, hand sanitizer. So just reach out to someone with a staff badge, and we'll be happy to help if, if you need something. Okay, perfect. Well, let's move on to not only the convention, which starts today, but some key initiatives as the chief operating officer working with the chief executive officer and the entire national staff. And I know one of the things that Jeff has been talking about quite often is connecting more with youth coaches and younger coaches. Can you comment on that? Yeah, that's a, a big part for us. We, we really want to focus on the under 35 age group of coaches. I'm strongly in agreement with that. It's not a big part of our current membership, and we really want to bring them in using technology and some of the things that they're used to using on a daily basis. With my background with U.S. youth and working with the youth a lot, um, I have a lot of contacts and hoping that we can really make that a big focus and exciting space for those young coaches to be, be a part of. One thing that I'm excited about Indeed, Angie, is Jeff Van Dusen said, we're not going to be just a place that posts job openings. We want to help people find jobs. Yeah, we want to help people find jobs. You know what else, Dean? We want to help people understand if I'm coaching high school, but my career aspiration is to be a college coach, how do I do that? What do I have to do to get there? Who do I have to know? What credentials do I need? We're really wanting to create a space where they can find those answers. If I'm a division three college coach, how do I become a division one college coach? What do I have to do? What's the difference? Maybe I don't want to do it because I don't know what the difference is. I just see the shiny object. So um, I think it's going to be one of the kind of first in our industry to create something like that. But um, we have a good plan and I think the coaches are really going to appreciate it and get some real good ROI out of that. Can you touch on diversifying our education offerings for content and how that content can be delivered? Yeah, so um, obviously through the use of technology is the delivery portion of that, um, making it easier. Uh, you know, the kind of current or past model is coaches once they get you know more advanced stages, they have to go somewhere for seven to ten days to, you know, get these credentials and get educated. And we want to make it easier for them, more accessible, not as expensive, 
And through technology, um, I think that's going to be possible. The coaches are definitely going to see a difference in how they receive content from us and from whom. You're hearing from Angie Eliason, the new chief operating officer for United Soccer Coaches, a big role. And it's nice to hear your resume and some of the different organizations you've touched, particularly in youth soccer. And I know one of the big focuses for Jeff and you will be to build strong relationships with all organizations, every one of them. Yeah, we, we want to um, be a place where everyone is comfortable, welcome, and utilizing the information that we have. We're not focused on one single youth group or just the professionals or just the federation. Maintaining all of those relationships and working together to help grow the game in the United States is the ultimate goal. Angie Eliason, as we close, as you have been around the association for quite some time, but now you're out front in this big role, when you hear those three words, United Soccer Coaches, what does it mean to you? It means to me that we are the place for all coaches. We are accepting, we're diverse, we're excited, and we are the place to be moving forward. We are the place to be, United Soccer Coaches and the United Soccer Coaches Convention, which kicks off today and will run through Sunday. Kyle Martino, a big-time soccer player, ironically, at Staples High School, where Dan Wog coach Dan Wog will be on later in the show as a winner of the letter of commendation so that unique tie is awesome but Kyle Martino was a big time player at Virginia a big time player in MLS he had nearly 10 caps for the U.S. team big time media personality for a long time especially on NBC Sports He's now making a difference with an initiative called the Over Under Initiative where he is making basketball courts, soccer courts, and vice versa. The Over Under Initiative, if you think about under the basket, you've got a goal. And of course, over the goal, you've got a basket. That's what he's talking about all over the country, making this happen where you've got basketball courts that can now be used also for soccer. The Over Under Initiative with Kyle Martino, who will be on podcast role doing interviews. So you'll see him there as well. Kyle Martino, when we return. This is Dean Linke with a quick message from United Soccer Coaches College Programs Department. United Soccer Coaches College Services Program benefits do not stop once the season ends. Your registration continues to work for you and your team with 2021-22 eligibility for Team Academic and Team Pinnacle Awards, plus all-season representation with the NCAA, NAIA, and Junior College Governing Bodies. If you have not registered for United Soccer Coaches College Services, please consider doing so today. Join the College Services Program now. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast Convention Edition, where we are talking about all things convention, including Podcast Row, and even bigger than Podcast Row is Kyle Martino. Here's a man who was a TV star, a big-time soccer player, played for Virginia from 99 to 2001. He was with the Columbus Crew in 2002 to 2006, played for the Galaxy as well, and also has almost 10 caps for the full U.S. national team. Ironically, also on today's program, is the outgoing head coach of Staples High School in Westport, Connecticut, Dan Wogue, who's getting a letter of commendation, and 
he was over the moon about having the former Gatorade National Player of the Year who attended Staples High School. Kyle Martino joins us now. Kyle, thanks for being on the convention edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Well, thanks for having me, man. What a special uh, podcast to be on. And um, I feel like I'm saying it to him, although I have said it to him already. Uh, Dan Woog, congratulations on a remarkable career. I mean, a very special time in my life. And that is someone that served the game in a, in a big way and continues to. So congratulations to him. That is so well said. Before we get to the Over Under Initiative, which will have you up and down podcast row with the double-digit podcast that will be there, you have had a fascinating career post-soccer TV. You ran for president for U.S. soccer. Talk about that little venture uh, and run for you, Kyle. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I feel very fortunate that the game has been um, – so kind to me and has been such an important part of my life. And, uh, you know, I left a, a dream job at NBC. Well, I guess the first time, uh, three years ago to run for us soccer president. Um, you know, simply because I, I was, um, I was really disappointed with the lack of accountability and, um, the, the way that the, failing to qualify for the world cup on the men's side was, was handled and the issues of consequence that were not being discussed. And so um, really, I, I just wanted to step forward as other candidates did to, to try to create change, to, to, to elevate the most important conversations and issues that we should be thinking about, not only as a soccer nation, but those that, that, that govern it, those that uh, are responsible at a member services organization for making the game accessible and enjoyable. So I, I just felt a responsibility to come forward and use my platform um, to speak about that. And it was, uh, it was an incredible experience. And I'll say I, I'm, I feel a little bit fortunate that I lost because that is a very difficult job and we're seeing what's been going on there um, ever since. So I, I, I give a lot of credit for the people that are trying to move the Federation in, uh, in a more modern, positive direction. Well, I give a lot of credit to you for continuing to make the game more accessible. That's what the Over Under Initiative is all about. Kyle, you have the floor. I want to let people know how they find it, how they learn more about it. But let's start with you telling us everything about it. What is the Over Under Initiative? The Over Under Initiative is a nonprofit I created um, to improve the health and wellness of kids through this incredible, powerful instrument of sport. Obviously, one sport in particular has been so amazing for my life and, and made me the person I am today, given me the network I have, the skills I have, um, the health and, and wellness, confidence and, and character I have. Um, but also I was a multi-sport athlete growing up. You know, I, I played at Staples High School. I was on the basketball team as well. So, you know, I, I, um, I really, out of the election, found access as, as the issue of consequence I could, I could impact. And the solutions didn't have to be expensive or complicated. Um, so I spent a, a few years trying to figure out, you know, how do you you, you don't solve this problem with, with one, you know, one trick, you have to figure out what, what is the, what is the easiest way to create the largest impact? And um, I just looked at lack of facilities as a major issue that were, that was keeping kids out of the game or, or making it hard for kids to stay in sport and um, playing soccer. I traveled all over the world and every other country, but ours, uh, their basketball court had a soccer goal underneath it. 
So I thought, well, this is a pretty easy place to start. Rather than be smart myself, why don't I steal another good idea? Um, and in those countries, they let them put a basketball hoop over their soccer goal. So it's a little bit different. And th that's why probably it's taken us so long to get where we are. But, you know, th that was the, the genesis of Over Under Initiative was let's go convert all of these blacktop spaces that are in close proximity to these kids that need sport the most but aren't finding it. Let's can rather than turn a basketball court that's being underused or or is is underutilized for myriad reasons into something else. Let's just figure out a way to turn it into everything else. And um, I, I spent a long time trying to figure out how to do that and have incredible people by my side, in, in, including keeper goals that that uh, many people at the convention will know about who tried to help me solve this problem. And, you know, fast forward three years later. We're, we're getting ready to do our fourth, fifth, and sixth courts in, uh, in six cities. And, um, and yeah, that, that's the exciting point of where we are as, as a nonprofit is the proof of concept on the page that got everyone excited is now on the concrete and kids are, are using a piece of technology that I invented that turns a basketball court into a street soccer court in under a minute. Incredible. So how many courts have already been done? And do you kind of have a big vision on how many you want to get done in you know, five years, 10 years down the road here, Kyle? Well, the big vision is um, a success. Success for me is walking down the street and seeing kids kicking a ball on a blacktop um, as regular and as normal as kids playing basketball on a blacktop. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a zero-sum solution guy. I'm a let's let kids spontaneously sample every sport they want. Um, and a blacktop is, is the most um, dynamic and, and successful sport facility, you know, we've, we've, we've had in our – and it's not going anywhere. And so um, success will be – getting across the country and, and installing this as close as we can to the communities that need it most. We did our first court in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which was very special for me because it's right down the road from where I grew up playing. And uh, that community is a community that um, has been very important in the growth of my uh, soccer life and continues to be. So that, that was a special moment to be able to do it there. Um, we're, we're in the Bronx in New York City, uh, Anderson, South Carolina. And we're on our way to Columbus, Ohio, and um, and Colorado, and Los Angeles, and San Francisco. So you know, it's it's finally taken off, and that's exciting. And um, you know, the ambition is to be you know as as big as we can, in terms of um, really demonstrating how easy it is to to offer this solution to communities. And the hope is that you know we 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 can kind of fade into the background and this becomes a paradigm that's accepted. And um, every time a court's built or resurfaced or someone's, you know, planning a parking lot or building, you know, a, a athletic facility or school, anything that, that is in close proximity to these kids, it's just understood. Just like you think you've got to put a bench and a water fountain, you know, you've, you've got to put golfer out there and uh, I think that would be success as a nonprofit if we made this such a accepted part of the sports infrastructure that kids had this optionality all over the world. Kyle I know you were exposed on a bigger sense to United Soccer Coaches when you ran for president but as I think about what you're doing with the over under initiative 
I can't imagine a better entity to collaborate with than United Soccer Coaches that I think is the most inclusive group that I've ever been around. Yeah, um, I, that's well said. And the last time I was there was in a political uh, way, and I, I'm I'm looking forward to being there that as as just another person in a sea of people trying to move this game forward and give it to as many uh, people as they can. You know, the the amazing part about being at the convention is is the sea of innovation. You know, how many people are trying to create products and services that that serve a, a growing population of people that love this game. And then, and then a large group of coaches that have uh, ha had a major impact in so many kids that have come across their path that have that have been on their fields. So you know, to be a part of that fabric is is really exciting, and to have kind of done it all, right? Have been a player at all levels. You know, a a, a sort of a part of the of the um, I would say the culture from a media standpoint, and now to be one of the innovators in the room. You know, it's 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 humbling, and um, you know, I I I think one challenge that that coaches um, you would think would feel as a threat, or or some would make the some would would make the mistake of of thinking this is a a zero sum situation um, of organized versus spontaneous. You know, a lot of the coaches in that room the uh, this this upcoming weekend understand how important spontaneous play is and 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 want kids to interact with the game when there are no coaches around no referees around no linesmen around you know that that is something that i think has has slowly um, been a a a smaller percentage of the portfolio of play for kids and i think that that's the cool part about standing there with other coaches is I, I know they believe kids should kick a ball when they're not around. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm there to kind of serve that, that side of the game that was always so important to me, which is everything's a field, everything's a game, all you need is a ball and a buddy, and, you know, you've got one-on-one. -on -one. So um, it, it's nice to be able to sort of dispel that misconception that uh, everything has to be organized and, and that's what coaches are about, when in reality – it's making sure kids have a balance of, of organized play, of, of good coaching, of good guidance, of good networks. But at the end of the day, can go find a way to kick a ball in the easiest possible way they can. Speaking of nice, it's nice to be with Kyle Martino. You know his acumen as a player. You know his acumen as a media personality, now as an innovator and a leader for the Over Under Initiative. Because I feel like you have such a deep mind based on the work you did on NBC, everybody misses you, by the way. What oh, made you. you pick the name, the Over Under Initiative? Can you break down that name? It's not very um, nuanced, layered, or or impressive. I, I I simply just looked at the fact that there should be uh, something under <laughs> this hoop, and then I thought, well, then for these soccer courts or these futsal courts, there should be something over them, and uh, it was about it was about as simple as that. That was the genesis of that of that moment. I, I wish it was a more impressive story, but I How just thought, works. man. Yeah, this is this is what it should be. There should always be something over and under this this these these two pieces of equipment that have been so important in my life and tend to be I, when I think of basketball and soccer, you know, I, I, I see them as the exact same sport. I, I really do. And I and I, I think you're seeing culturally the intersection of these sports where from a pop culture standpoint, 
you know, Steph Curry is juggling a ball and, and, you know, in the, in the layup line, these basketball players are juggling and trying to head the ball in the hoop, you know, that, that, that's always been there. And I think that kids are starting to see their heroes uh, love multiple sports. are not afraid to be bad at one and great at another. And, um, you know, I, I, I think infrastructure solution is one, but I also, I love the idea of making sure kids understand the choice is theirs you know they should never be forced to pick a sport early and definitely should never should never be be forced to miss out on sport because of you know some socioeconomic situation that you know that they're born into Kyle we have a lot of coaches listening right now and they might be thinking you know what I know exactly the right area where we need to have this access turning a basketball court into soccer and vice versa which is incredible how do they find you how do they find the over under initiative yeah thanks the um Go, go to playoui.org um, and uh, you can you can also find us on on Instagram and on Twitter. You'll see me tweeting about it all the time over under play. You know, that, that, that's the first place to go to get a little education. But th this is how you help. And, and if you go to our page, you can donate what you can. You can become a, a monthly subscriber to support us. But but really, the, the the other way to help, and I think Anderson, South Carolina, is demonstrative of this, is don't wait. Don't wait for us. You know, if you get a yes, we'll get you. We'll get you the goals. You know, if you get someone to say you can do that in this parking lot, on this tennis court, uh, in this on, on this blacktop, on this basketball court, you know, if you get that gatekeeper to say yes, we'll we'll, we'll get there and, and create an over under court. And in Anderson, South Carolina, there's a gentleman named Brock who. Um, is the head of the American Outlaws chapter there and reached out to us maybe two and a half years ago and sent an email and said, we've got a community that needs this and a, a community where a lot of kids are struggling to access sport. Can we bring it here? And he didn't wait for us. He went and got the council members, the parks and rec directors. He got funding together. It was a really remarkable demonstration of what team is about and what we're trying to instill in kids and bring to their communities and in their lives. And, you know, the, the, the fact that it exists now makes it so much easier for these parks and rec directors or council members to go, yeah, why don't we have that? And so, yeah, go knock on the door of, of you know, principals of schools, of parks and rec directors and say, why don't we have one of these in, in our neighborhood where these kids need it? And uh, you get that yes, and we'll bring the circus to town. All right. Awesome. Final question, because this is the convention edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. What days uh, do you plan on being on podcast row if people want to catch you between podcast interviews as you break down this exciting the over under initiative? Yeah, I'll be I'll be there um, fr Friday, late Friday afternoon and be hanging around and then I'll be there most of the day on Saturday. So if you see me, I look a little different than I did on TV. I'm going back to my playing days with the long hair. Um, come up and say hello. And if you have a podcast, just grab me as I'm coming down the row. But but mostly. You know, tell me what you're up to. Ask me how you can help. And, you know, let's all grow this game together. The website one more time, sir. Yeah, playoui.org. Kyle Martino. So great to have you on this special convention edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. We applaud what you're doing with the Over Under Initiative. Thanks for making a difference and pushing the game forward. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing everyone.
That was pretty cool. Kyle Martino, the focus of this week's Countdown Duke Convention because he's coming to the convention to push the Over Under Initiative. Speaking of Podcast Row, on Thursday, I will not be there as I'll be calling a basketball game between Florida State and Miami. But the United Soccer Coaches Podcast must live on on Podcast Row. So Anna Witte, who was a player at Castle now known as NCFC Youth. She went to Penn State to play for Erica Dombach, but also to get a broadcast journalism degree. She has gone on to do great things. I've called NWSL games with her. I've called games with her on the Big Ten Network. I've done studio shows with her. And now you get to meet Anna Witte, who will fill in for me as the co-host of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast all day Thursday. I'll be with her to collaborate on Friday and Saturday. Let's meet Anna Witte, co-host this week of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast after these messages. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Just had a great visit with Kyle Martino. He's going to be on Podcast Row. And for me, I'm delighted to have a longtime friend, a broadcast partner, an associate, Anna Witte, who is from North Carolina, played for Castle, went to Cary High, then went to Penn State, where she played soccer and was a broadcast journalism major. And Anna Witte, we've done so many things together I am not going to be there on Thursday. You're going to step in on Podcast Row, the busiest day on Podcast Row. Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast Convention Edition. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for inviting me to the convention. I'm excited to help you host this podcast and be a part of it this year. I'm glad to hear that you've been listening to the podcast as well. You know, we do 52 of them a year. So one of the things we do at the convention is we get evergreen interviews. And that's what uh, we're counting on you for, Anna. And I know you're super excited about it. I'm excited to be there and meet people and, and really get to dive into a different side of soccer that I really haven't been able to, you know, venture into as much. And like you said, just talk with people and learn more about the game from a different perspective. The United Soccer Coaches Convention is the world's largest soccer show. And when you think about how big soccer is over in Europe and South America and other parts of the world, there's no association like United Soccer Coaches, nearly 30,000 members. Maybe all of them can't be there because of COVID, but it is always massive. Over 250 exhibitors in the exhibit hall, two full-size fields. So the action is nonstop, and this will be your first exposure to it. And at every level, so it's youth, high school, college, pro, international, the national team, every level is covered. How's that sound? That sounds fantastic. There, I guess there'll never be a, a minute where I'm not going to be able to go and see something and learn about something new, right? Indeed. And Podcast Row was booming when it first started. There was like three or four. And now Brandon Milburn, who you will meet, has come in and really created a whole lot of pop. I think there's double digit podcasts that are going to be on Podcast Row. I know you're excited to talk to all of them. 
Yeah, I think there's a little over 20 of them there. And I've been doing some of my research and, and kind of what aspects of the game that they cover. So there's people who talk about refing games, coaching games, soccer abroad and soccer in the state, high school, college, and just so many dis- different perspectives of the game. And um, it's going to be fun to learn from all of them. I'm always amazed at the ties that bind and the connections. And sometimes I feel like Forrest Gump because I always get lucky to have this great seat. But, you know, here your mom went to Ohio U. I went to Ohio U. I think I got to know her first. You know, Robbie Mertz, one of my all-time favorite players to call for Michigan, the babyface assassin. It is crazy, Anna, how closely we are connected. I know it, it really is. And I have to credit you to so much of my career as an analyst. I'll never forget you inviting me to do that game in August of 2019. So right before the pandemic, we called a courage Orlando pride game. And I, I really didn't think I would work in soccer again. I really just thought I would cover, you know, football, basketball, a little bit of soccer. Wasn't really sure what my broadcast career would look like. And after that game, I was like, wow, I've never seen the game from this angle and I love it and I want to continue to dive into it. And yeah, it's been great since then. So thank you so much for that opportunity. Yeah. One of the things I like about you is you're like me, you're open to trying anything. And I like that. So let's get to know you a little bit better. You grew up in North Carolina, went to Cary High. When did you start at Castle, which is now known as NCFC Youth? And as you know, it's one of the biggest clubs in the country. I moved to the Cary area when I was starting kindergarten. So I probably started when I was five or six years old. And then obviously next level with what Damon Nahas was doing at the same time was involved. So I got to do the technical side of soccer and then obviously play with Castle. And it's been really cool to see how much the club has grown, continues to grow. I know it's no longer called Castle, but in my brain, it'll always be called Castle. But yeah, so I've been playing since, yet yeah, you know, six years old. 20 years, I guess. I love that you have the Penn State shirt on because you probably could have gone anywhere and Penn State always wins the Big Ten, you know, except for this year. They're always great. Erica Dombach is one of the true legends of the game and you got to play under her. What made you pick Penn State and who was maybe number two or three on your list? Yeah, college for me, um, I knew that I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. I knew from a very young age, this is the industry I wanted to be in. So as much as I wanted to play soccer, it was just as important for me to get the correct education. So obviously I thought about Syracuse. Being from the Carolinas, the cold weather, I didn't. I don't think I could have done it. But I thought about it for a hot minute. But Penn State was always what I wanted. I thought about Elon. They have a fantastic broadcast journalism program as well. But Penn State was always the front runner for me. No reason at all. I think they have the number two communication school. It's obviously a big 10 school. I know their alumni always do a fantastic job of helping the students at the school. And then obviously the soccer program, like you said, Dean, just a winning mentality, a winning program, fantastic coaches. And once I got to meet the girls on the team, I knew I wanted to be not only a part of that team, but a part of the school and everything they're doing in state college. It was really cool. As you started to wind down your career, you were doing incredible work interviewing a lot of the players and covering that team, right? I was. So kind of one of the things that I did to get my feet wet was just bring a microphone out. Um, SID just let me interview whoever I wanted on my team. And obviously they know me, so they were giving me a really hard time. So it's a great way to start, right? You don't even know what you're supposed to say into a microphone and your teammates are like, wait, that's not my name. That's not the position I play. I'm not a goalkeeper. So, and you're on camera and just trying to handle that. So 
it was really fun just to get to uh, interview them, ask them silly questions. It really wasn't soccer related. So I felt like the fans got to see an aspect of my teammates that I was able to pull out of them because of our relationship. And that's really how I got involved. And then coach got me in contact one of the big people in broadcasting at Penn State. So we got to meet and I got to help out with football, men's soccer, did some baseball, a little bit of everything in my final two years of college. So it was a fantastic experience for sure. We're here with Anna Witte and this week at the convention, it'll be the United Soccer Coaches podcast with Dean Linke and Anna Witte with big exclamation points as she will cover for me on Thursday while I call a basketball game between Miami and Florida State. So grateful for Anna. And then we're going to be able to do a lot of interviews together on Friday and Saturday. Looking forward to that. And we've done that a lot during the uh, Challenge Cup a couple years ago. We were doing pregame shows, postgame shows, really everything around the North Carolina courage we did and that was a really fun experience too and just to learn from you and how well you knew this courage team and, and what was going on when it comes to the broadcast side of things learn about how you ask questions and I'm excited to meet some of the people that you know so well at the convention and 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 pick their brains as well and kind of grow from there all right so before we got to that point where you called that game with the courage there's one little nugget that is always lost on me and we'll just run right by it but I am 99.9% certain that you shadowed me on an NSCAA game of the week on Fox soccer in North Carolina. Your mom set it up. I made such a big impression on you that you totally forgot it. So we're just going to move on, but tell me everything you did after Penn state, because it's been a nice windy road for you where you've done a lot of interesting things up in the DC area and now down in Charleston. Well, to go back to that first, you're probably right because I think I fell in love with journalism and broadcasting at six years old. I don't really remember ever wanting another career. So I'm sure I definitely was vocal about it. I'm sure I told my mom who at the time was with the Railhawks and that's maybe where we had that crossover, but yes. Yeah, so I, I graduated college and I took an internship with NFL films, was really interested in production side of things. And what they do over there is really impressive with the cinematic stuff. And it was when, you know, for, American football fan Saquon Barkley was coming out of Penn State and he was getting drafted so we got to follow him around at the draft and you know go back to his hometown in Whitehall Pennsylvania so that was really cool as a Penn Stater to cover a Penn Stater and um, so I did that internship thought I wanted to get into production I took a job as a producer and then I went on to work at NBC Sports Washington where I edited content and then I got interested in covering the Washington spirit and nobody was covering them so I kind of just took it on my own. I took out a small camera, would interview some players, go to their games, talk to fans. And that's when I started to become more interested in soccer. Then I started, you know, calling that game with you, Dean. And since then I've been calling NWSL soccer games. I've been down in Charleston, South Carolina, where I am calling some local college soccer games and doing some sidelining for football, basketball. And then of course with you, Dean, over at the Big Ten called a, a few games. So I've been doing a little bit of everything. I feel like I'm at that point in my career where I'm, I'm saying yes to everything and I'm loving all of it. I'm even digging this fun reporting where you get to do kind of wherever you want. I guess it's every other week or once a month or whatever with a local station down in Charleston. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. One of my jobs. How did I forget to mention that? So I work for our local uh, station as a lifestyle reporter. So essentially I can cover whoever I want here in Charleston. Food and Bev is huge. So we'll go to restaurants, talk about, you know, their menus. Today there's a video airing about acupuncture and how it helps you. We went to a local gym and talked about boxing. So I'm able to flex different muscles, my reporting and hosting muscles on top of being an analyst, on top of being a sideline reporter. Again, just doing everything that I possibly can so that I can be as well-versed as I move forward in my career. Big time talent, still young, still hungry, and show add a lot of spice to the United Soccer Coaches podcast, Anna Witte. She will be there on Wednesday a little bit, but all day Thursday, Friday, she'll start the morning shift, and I'll join her, and we'll be there just for a couple hours on Saturday morning. Anna Witte, I'm sure your message to everybody listening is stop by and see me, and maybe I'll interview you, right? Is that what you'd like to say? Exactly. Please don't be afraid. Shake my hand. Come up. Say hi. I'd love to meet you. Um, it would be really fun just to, like I said, that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to about this convention is in the soccer world, especially now with COVID, we do these remote broadcasts. So I don't really get to interact with coaches and players the way that, you know, I hope we get to here in the next few years uh, once this all passes. So please come say hi. I'd love to meet you and learn about what you're doing. Anna Witte, who will be co-hosting this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast on Podcast Row. Anna Witte, thanks for being on the convention edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast, and I will see you in Kansas City. Sounds good, Dean. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure, and please do what she said. Come by and see Anna Witte, especially on Thursday, and be interviewed for a spot on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. When we return, one of five amazing people who won the letter of commendation, he has been the chair of the LGBTQ plus and allies advocacy groups since its inception. As we mentioned, he coached at Staples High School for a long time, just announced his retirement. Remember, that's the same school that Kyle Martino, who's also on this show, Dan Wogue, a gentleman, a scholar, a wonderful human being. He gets the letter of commendation from United Soccer Coaches, and he joins me next after these messages. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Another wonderful show. It's the convention edition. And I have to say, when I think about the convention, I always think about Dan Wogue. It's the one time a year I know that I'm going to get to see him. And we always meet with an embrace. And Dan, understandably, is one of five amazing people who will receive the United Soccer Coaches Letter of Commendation. He writes weekly for Soccer America, covering a lot of friends of mine, which is amazing. And he just retired after a long, successful career for the boys' varsity team at Staples High School in Westport, Connecticut. Dan, who has chaired the association's LGBTQ plus and allies advocacy group since its inception, is among the five recipients who will be honored at the 82nd Annual Coaches Convention in Kansas City. And Dan, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Great to be here. One yeah, of my Dan, favorite events. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, the convention is one of your favorite events, right? Why is that, Dan? 
Oh my God. It's, it's, it's a gathering of really cool people getting together, doing really good work, having a good time, exchanging ideas, hanging out, relaxing, getting work done, and all for the good of the game. Just a really cool group of people. You got the news, you got the letter of commendation. I'm actually proud to say that I received it last year and I was deeply moved by it, although it doesn't take a whole lot to move me, but I was, I was deeply moved by it, Dan. Tell me you were as well, what was your reaction? Really surprised. You know, we, we do what we do for the good of the game. Uh, we do it for the people in, in it. We do it because we love soccer. We don't do it for recognition. And to look at the list of people this year with Becky Burley and other people uh, like Becky, to see the people who've gotten it before, it's a cliche, but I'm humbled. I'm a little guy who's done a little work, but I'm, I'm certainly grateful and, and gratified. As I too often tease Dan, as I've got limited joke capacity, he is a little guy, but he does a lot. So I'm not going to let him say he does a little. Dan, big decision for you to step down after an amazing career as a high school coach, something that was near and dear to you. Can you walk me through that decision, sir? Sure. 19 years as head coach at my alma mater, Staples High School in Westport, Connecticut. 46 years coaching at uh, all levels from U12 through high school. It was a perfect storm. A group of seniors who I loved, awesome group of kids. They accomplished a lot, semifinals of a state tournament and really, really playing really well and great kids on and off the field. Program's in great shape. I have a really good staff and it, it's the right time. I'm ready for the next generation to step up and step in and start assuming leadership roles. I'm ready to help them. And I did not want to be that guy who everybody's trying to sort of move along and doesn't even know it's time for him to move along. So I'm, I'm going out with a smile on my face and joy in my heart. And part of that joy comes out in your writing for Soccer America. Your pieces have been fantastic. A lot of times nostalgic for somebody like me that definitely moves me. Please tell me you're going to continue to work for Soccer America. Absolutely. I started writing for Soccer America right after college. And that too has been one of the great relationships of my professional life. It is an a, amazing group that, that puts out every day stories at all levels. And writing for Soccer America has allowed me to meet incredible personalities. The stories of, of these men and women, their backstories, what they've overcome, what they've accomplished, their concern for their players and for the game. I'm really honored to be able to tell their stories in a few hundred words and, you know, and reach an audience that might otherwise not learn about sort of the nuances of what they do and how they do it. We're here with Dan Wogue, who will receive a letter of commendation from the United Soccer Coaches with a class of Becky Burley, Jerry DiBartolo, Sandy Williamson, and Greg Winkler, all great names doing great things in the game. Dan, I mentioned that you have chaired the association's LGBTQ plus and allies advocacy group since its inception. I have never seen an organization more focused on inclusion Dr. Missy Price also continued to blaze that trail as well. That's got to make you feel really proud. Yeah, I agree. United Soccer Coaches really walks the talk. And, and it, it's interesting to me that all these groups, LGBTQ, 
Black, Latino, Native American, Asian American, women, disabilities, faith-based. We all have our different constituencies, but we all work together for the good of the game, whether it's supporting Black coaches during Black Lives Matter or the Latino coaches when they were really affected more than other coaches during COVID in areas like immigration status, getting back in the country, that sort of thing. We're all in it together. We are all coaches who want the game to advance, who want the best for our players. And the more we realize, all of us, that we coach a diverse variety of players and that we interact with a diverse variety of colleagues, the better coaches will be, the better human beings will be, and the stronger our game will be as a whole. Nevin Capel last week, who is doing such great work on return on inclusion, as you know, and now a partnership that Dr. Missy Price and Jeff Van Dusen worked on, former basketball player D1. Her story is a black woman. One, she had those issues and then realizing she was a lesbian. It took a little bit of time. Did she really want to tell people? Dan, I knew you since 1992. I had no idea that you were gay. When did you step out and say, this is who I am? It was right around that time, early 90s. And the time was right. I had feared the reaction of my players and their parents and the community. And I realized that was misplaced. It was my own sort of inner homophobia or, or fear. And once I came out, I was embraced by players, by colleagues, by the community. And I realized I had not given them enough credit for being open-minded, progressive, for realizing it's not about who you love, but just who you are. And at that point, I realized I had a vehicle for sort of smoothing the path for those who came after me. And I've been gratified to be able to do it in many ways since. And one of the primary vehicles has been United Soccer Coaches. As we end, this edition always gets a great listenership base because it's released Wednesday morning at the start of the convention. So people that are at the convention listen to it, people that wanted to be but can't go are listening to it. What's your advice to someone like Nevin Capel or Dan Wogue about overcoming this fear of homophobia, particularly knowing that United Soccer Coaches has such a wide open arms for everybody? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sort of broaden it and say that I think every, we look at it from a coach's perspective. Every boy or girl that we coach has something they're hiding, some issue that they're concerned about. Could be sexuality, could be race or religion, could be socioeconomic, could be something else. But if we understand that all of us bring something to the table that's part of us that you know we may be uncertain about and we are open about who we are, then I think, as I said earlier, we become better coaches and we better serve all of our players. So my message to a Nevin, to a Dan Wogue, to anybody out there is trust the game, trust the process, trust the people in it, trust your colleagues, your players, your friends, and open yourself up and you will be rewarded a hundredfold. I, I know I have been. Two guests on this show, 
two right before you. One was Kyle Martino, and you're connected to him. Break that down real quick. <laughs> uh, Kyle was a young player in high school when I was an assistant coach. Uh, I've known him since he was in seventh grade or so. Uh, I know him now and couldn't be prouder of the work he's doing. He, he rocks the universe. Yeah, the over-under initiative is fascinating as Kyle Martino broke it down. And coming up right now after you, Nicole Hercules, I called a game on Monday on MLK Junior Day, and I was really moved realizing there's still a lot more work to do there. So I reached out to Nicole and I said, Nicole, we got to get you back up there. The Black Coaches Advocacy Group has a special celebration, I believe 25 years. What can you say about our upcoming guest, Nicole Hercules? Oh, I, I can't say enough about her. She calls me her brother, and I can't imagine a higher compliment. She has taken the Black Coaches group and kicked them into the stratosphere. It's a very diverse group of coaches, and she rocks it. Dan, Wog, you rock it. That's why you're one of five that will receive the letter of commendation. I'll see you at the convention, but I'll especially see you Friday night at the awards banquet where you receive your letter of commendation. And I know it's worth repeating. It means a lot to you, right, sir? And you know what it means the most? Getting it from you, having you announce my name. Ah, <laughs> uh, that'll be great. Oh, that's awesome, Dan. Thank you so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. And more importantly, thanks for all that you do for the game. Thanks, Dan. Always a pleasure spending time with Dan Wogue and always a pleasure spending time with Nicole Hercules. She's up next after this message. This is Dean Linky with a quick message from United Soccer Coaches College Programs Department. United Soccer Coaches College Services Program benefits do not stop once the season ends. Your registration continues to work for you and your team with 2021-22 eligibility for Team Academic and Team Pinnacle Awards, plus all-season representation with the NCAA, NAIA, and Junior College Governing Bodies. If you have not registered for United Soccer Coaches College Services, please consider doing so today. Join the College Services Program now. Welcome back to the convention edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, where we are talking all things convention. This is a big convention. One of the things we've also been talking about is advocacy. You know, if you listen to this show, that I'm a huge fan of Nicole Hercules, who is the chair for the Black Soccer Coaches advocacy group for United Soccer Coaches, who will be celebrating 25 years as an advocacy group in Kansas City. And Nicole Hercules joins me now. Nicole, thanks for being on. Dean, thanks for, for having me on. You know, I always enjoy having these conversations with you. So I love being on here today. I thought it was important, not just because I know you're going to be really visible in Kansas City, but from my heart, I called a gymnastics event yesterday for the Big Ten Network on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And during every break, we would have a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. and take a look at how he moved so many mountains. But it also made me think back after the George Floyd death, you and I collaborated and week after week, we had men and women of color trying to make a difference. And, you know, Eventually, then you just kind of roll on and you get back to life and it makes you stop and say, wait, there's still work to do here. We have to continue to use our voice, Nicole. And that's why I wanted to have you on. As you reflect just two days ago, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, what does that mean to you? And please talk about the fact that there is a lot of work to do yet. 
Yeah, you know, for me, I think people don't recognize it in the, the closing days of his life, his focus was really about social justice and the fact that social justice cannot be fully realized without economic justice. Um, so the opportunity for people to really talk about that economic and social values, inspiring others in, in many ways through our service, through the way we speak to each other, through, through everything that we do along the way. So I'm really proud of our group and the work that we've done. There's been a DEI initiative or task force or committee that's been formed at every level through our advocacy group. So we're really happy that we've been able to push those things forward. But like you said, Dean, there's so much more work to be done. We can sit around and say that we formed these task force, but what are we actually accomplishing? Um, we're seeing that not even just in the black soccer landscape, but just in this game alone, that there's a rise in different types of discrimination, abuse of power. You saw that in the National Women's Soccer League, greed in general with how this game is, is played. So there's a lot of things that we have to really address and look at with a clear lens for how we can make the sport better, safer, and just what it really can be as the beautiful game that everyone in the world plays and loves. So there's a great opportunity for us, but we have to be really honest and truthful with where we are and where we need to go. Nicole, at its simplest form, when something like what happened to George Floyd, and there's so many of those kinds of issues, when that goes silent, that scares me. And I don't even look like you, and it scares me. I guess it's your mission to make sure that we don't remain silent, right? But does it scare you at all when we stop pushing? Yeah, it does. And I'll tell you what, Dean, we just did a report with U.S. Youth Soccer on racism and discrimination. So we're looking for that to go to the board. We're looking to take on these initiatives with not just folks who are on these committees and these task force, but those who are in the leadership positions that can actually make decisions, that who can make sure that we have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to discrimination and racism. And when it comes to just looking at things from a different lens that may be different from everyone who's in the sport. You know, for me, I'm a black woman who's in this, this sport, so I'm looking at things from a lens of gender and race. But for folks, it's something different. It's something different for you. It's something different from someone from the AAPI group. So if we can just be able to look at these things in ways that impact all of our people, then I think we'll have a better community of soccer in the future. But we're a long way off from where we want to be. But I think a lot of the seeds have been planting. Now it's just the show me time. It's time for folks to really take the conversations, the reports, the research that's been done and actually look to make some types of transformative difference across the soccer landscape. Show me and celebrate 25 years as an advocacy group with the black soccer coaches. I know your schedule is really busy. Can you break down some of the highlights as it relates to your work with the black soccer coaches advocacy group that will be featured this week in Kansas city. Dean, we're excited. We have a record number of presenters this year. We have over 24 sessions. We of course have our open meeting. We have our closed meeting. We have our social that's going to celebrate 25 years that will be on that Saturday from 8 to 10 p.m. at the national office. Everyone is invited to that. We're excited with the record number of championships at the high school youth and collegiate level. You know, Kadani McAlpin, you know, with the coach staff of the year, Kia McNeil with the league championship, Eric Bell with the league championship. We have so many high school and youth programs that won national and youth championships too. So we have to celebrate all of those things, especially the conversations that we've had and started most, not most, almost all of the DEI efforts throughout the entire soccer landscape. You know, Ezra Hendrickson, who's in the Chicago area, who just got that head coaching position, all of the new college um, hires. And the thing that I'm most proud about, is, and you've been a part of this, Dean, is that the association, when we were talking about people showing it, 
Um, we've talked about the lack of representation over the last two to three years. And I have to say, I'm so proud of this association and how they've done a great job in making sure that they're showing different faces, faces of color, people who are represent us so well, people who do an amazing job in this, this space, who have just been looking for their opportunity to be seen and heard. And I think this association has done such a wonderful job. So that's why we're so proud of celebrating 25 years with the United Soccer Coaches Association. And there's a great way for this young group of folks who are coming through. I know Stokely Davis is on this podcast. There's preparation, there's coaching education, there's a way to develop this next generation. Um, we have phenomenal mentors through United Soccer Coaches. We have phenomenal coaching education through United Soccer Coaches. So I'm excited for this generation of firecrackers who are ready to take over and just be great coaches and great people. So through this organization, I see us coming together. I see us working together. I see us making this sport better. And it's through United Soccer Coaches that will do this. So I'm excited for that. Well, that's the perfect segue. Stokely Davis coming up, a young, powerful black man, grew up in Chicago, went down to Atlanta, started trying to find ways for inner city kids, but he knew Chicago needed help and he's back there to try to make a difference. How's that sound? Oh, it sounds amazing. We have, again, we have phenomenal people in Chicago. Ezra Hendrickson's out there. Trevor Banks is out there. CJ Brown. So we're going to make sure he's connected with some great people who can look out for him and mentor him and make sure that he's everything that he can imagine being. So we're excited, especially coming off of Martin Luther King Day. Each one is going to teach one. And we just look forward to seeing each other for the first time in two years. I know I got to see you last year, which was an absolutely joy and pleasure. Yeah, come and check out the Black Soccer Coaches sessions. You know, we'll have a bunch of people out there. We look forward to connecting with everyone and just, you know, being the United Soccer Coaches group that, that we are. Love your bright light. Nicole Hercules, the chair of the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group for United Soccer Coaches, a special guest on this week's convention issue of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Always a pleasure, Nicole. Thanks for being on. Dan, it's a blessing to call you my friend. You take care. I feel the same way. We will have the aforementioned Stokely Davis when we return. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to this very special convention edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Always an honor to spend time with Nicole Hercules, who is the chair of the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group for United Soccer Coaches. Of course, we told her that we were pumped to talk to another 30 under 30 member, Stokely Davis. And Stokely Davis joins me now. Stokely, welcome to this convention edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. All right, Stokely, let's get to know you from the very beginning. Tell us where you grew up, when you started playing the game, where you went to college, and when you got the bug to coach. I am originally from Chicago, Illinois. I moved to Chicago when I was about three years old um, after being born in Ohio. I started playing soccer the same year that I moved to Chicago. Uh, in my preschool type of setting, a couple of my friends played soccer. And that really just kind of interested me in like a small organization called Say Soccer. And from there, I continued my like matriculation through the sport. I played travel, I played academy, all the way up until um, in high school is actually kind of where my I got the, the bug, you may say. Um, I 
unfortunately went through a bad injury in high school and I ruptured my Achilles and it caused me just like a little bit of a little bit of strain and it made it a little bit more difficult getting back into the sport to the same level that I previously was at. Um, however, during that time, I started refereeing and I, I loved just being able to still have an impact on younger players and things like that. However, it did just feel like I was still a little bit far from the game. So after that, I started doing coaching and things like that. I think I was about the age of 15 when I um, got my first coaching job with the Chicago Park District. And um, during that time, I was basically I would travel around to different parts of the city and I would set up for a week or two and I would just teach soccer classes and teach little kids who had no interest in playing soccer at all how to play soccer and just seeing the transition in their attitudes towards the game from some people being like, oh, that's a girl's sport or, oh, we don't play that in America and stuff like that. So by the end of my two week tenure, them falling in love with the game and signing up for some of the programs that I would be able to recommend for them. Um, that's really just seeing that transition and seeing that love of the game grow within these young students is really what kind of made me want to stay and become a, a really good coach. So moving on from there, I continued my coaching education. I worked with some of the smaller teams and academies that I grew up playing with. And by the time I made it to college, I went to college at Clark Atlanta University. By the time I made it to college, um, I had almost half a decade under my belt. And I was just really looking for a larger opportunity to work with. So I started working with one of the largest teams in the perimeter of Atlanta, which is called Inter Atlanta. And I worked my way through their academy program. And by the time I was out of the program, I was working with some of their, their higher level select teams and MLS Next teams. So it was really just an honor to be able to continue that. And I hope to be able to continue that moving forwards. And now you made the decision to move back to your hometown of Chicago. What went into that decision, Stokely? Man, so I've, I've always been a Chicago native through and through. I love everything about this city. And growing up here, my uncle told me when I was younger, he said, try to find a problem in the world that affects you and see if you can fix it. Um, and so the problem that affected me when I was young in Chicago was the fact that I saw so many talented players simply not have a direct path to the next steps past high school or past college. Um, there was just so many different routes that could be taken. And so really what I wanted to do, I wanted to come back to Chicago, find those young talented players and kind of give them a guide, show them like, hey, here are the different pathways, here are the steps that you can take, here are the things that you need to be working on now, here's what you need to be eating, here's how you need to be stretching, little things like that so I could help others kind of prevent getting into the same situation I got into and hopefully just go farther. That is awesome. If a city ever needed somebody like Stokely Davis, I think you agree Chicago needs that right now because it is a brilliant city, but there are issues. And if you can give kids an alternative, that can go a long way in changing the dynamic, wouldn't you say? Definitely. That's my hopes and dreams. Um, Chicago, playing soccer in Chicago kept me off of the streets and kept a lot of my friends off of the streets. And there, are, like I said, there are many of my friends who never kicked a ball before, never played soccer. And just by seeing me in high school and elementary school and middle school playing so passionately, um, by the time I was in high school, I was able to get a lot of my friends to join the soccer team. And that actually transformed my whole high school. Um, I remember when we went undefeated for almost two years in a row. And after that, it was finally when my high school decided to invest in getting us an actual soccer field and soccer balls to train with and stuff like that. And so to see just like 
you can have an impact. I recognize that impact I had at 15 and 16, and I'm hoping that I can have the same impact on some of these younger children and show them that, hey, you guys are in charge of your life starting today. Speaking of impact, when did you know that the association United Soccer Coaches could make an impact on Stokely Davis and then follow that up? When did you know you wanted to be a member of this 30 under 30 class? So I quick, very quickly recognized the impact and the the growth that I could get by partnering and working with the United Soccer Federation. Um, I saw the, the partner teams that you guys have and I went and did like a little bit of my own research online. And so I studied a little bit of you guys' YouTube courses and just how you guys train your coaches. Um, and I truly think that the, the way American soccer is angled into kind of focusing a, a little less on just the, so, okay, I'll say it like this. I think this is probably the best way to go. I think American soccer changed from being a very big, broad sport where you have these large people and it was a little more akin to football. So I think we're actually growing and understanding that soccer is a, is a language of itself. And the way you play soccer is very derivative of your culture. And I think we're starting to accept that and starting to grow with that idea. I'm noticing different teams around the MLS are creating their own um, tactical identities. And I would love to learn from that. And I feel like you guys have the opportunity and the coaches within your organization to where we can really bounce ideas off of each other and continue to grow the sport of soccer within America. How many times did you apply for the program? And what do you remember about getting the word that you were in? So this is my second time applying. Um, the first time was two years ago, and one of my actually directors at Inter Atlanta recommended me to get into the program. And two years ago, honestly, I didn't think um, I deserved it quite as much. Um, I, it's not necessarily like I did anything huge over this last year. I just didn't necessarily think that um, I had the skill set or I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So to have the people around me at Inter Atlanta that I did, I had an amazing team of just people who believed in me and who taught me, okay, here's what you want to do next. If you want to do this, here's how you can get to that. Um, so when I applied again the second time and I got accepted, it truly felt like it was faded. Um, it felt like, yes, you may have not been up to par where you wanted to be last year. However, there's so much time and so much space in front of you, so much opportunity that I just have to keep grinding and keep pushing on that mission. I feel like last year I got a little stagnant. I thought like, okay, I'm great. I'm at this level. I'm here. But now I'm recognizing there's so many levels above me and I'm excited to jump into them. Here with Stokely Davis, a fine young member of the 30 under 30 class. We just had Nicole Hercules on, as I mentioned earlier, the chair of the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group. I did a game on Monday and there were so many special tributes to Martin Luther King Jr. that it reminded me as a white man, and Soakley Davis is an African-American, proud. You can tell he's coming back to Chicago to make a difference, and I'm going to guess also help people that look like him make a difference. And it made me realize, Stokely, there's still a whole lot of work to do. After George Floyd, everybody's pushing it. But then all of a sudden, that fades away. We can't fade away, right? There's still work to do for equality so we can erase racism, erase hate, and be about love and respect. I definitely agree. I think that the best way we can do it is within the small actions that we take every day. Um, as I was talking to a couple of my coworkers yesterday, I, I told them that the biggest thing Martin Luther King was really about was about service for others. And it doesn't need to be a huge protest or a march or anything like that. It could simply be if you have the time and you recognize that you have that time, going back through some of your old clothes and donating your old clothes, making some meals for people if you have a little bit of extra money and 
giving them away to homeless people on the street when you see them like that. Small things like that can change somebody's day, change the trajectory of their life. A simple conversation can do that. So just taking the time out of your day to focus on others and be as of service to others, I think that's truly what Martin Luther King was about. And if we all take a little bit more time every day to do that, I think we'll be one step closer to the world we're trying to build. We will do that, but I still know, having spent so much time diving into civil rights issues after George Floyd, that every day, Stokely Davis, you've got to check yourself, right? Because it's still not fair and equal. That is completely right. Um, it's not fair and equal, honestly, for anybody on the board. There's different levels of how people are treated, even within, like you said, even being a white man, I'm sure that being a white man versus being a white woman has their own different levels of how you can be treated in society. And I feel like that's unfair. I feel like anybody can offer anything at any point in time, as long as, like I said, as long as you listen and have that conversation with them. Personally, I feel like the biggest thing that causes racism and the proponent of racism in our society is the fear of the unknown. So having a conversation with those people you don't know or about a situation you don't understand is what I believe is the biggest remedy and the little bit of medicine that we need as a society. Stokely Davis, one of the final questions that I've asked all of the 30 under 30 members is the crystal ball, where you want to be in 10 years. I've got to admit, I'm extremely moved by your decision to go back to Chicago and do what you did in the perimeter of Atlanta, but do it in a city that you truly care about. Where will Stokely Davis be 10, 15 years from now? I'm hoping in 10 to 15 years, I would love to be running my own small soccer club in Chicago. Um, I would love to have partners, larger MLS partners, where I can create a direct path for my students to get to go to professional leagues or to go overseas and play in professional, um, professional leagues. What I would love to do is create sort of a, they are called, the school systems are called um, prep schools for basketball and things like that, but they're very akin to soccer academies in other countries. And I would love to kind of focus on that, that here in America. I know we have soccer academies, but the way that the soccer academies are kind of used in America is just slightly different than in other countries. And I would love to just offer a little bit more of like an opportunity to the family of soccer players and the education around the sport of soccer, even if you don't necessarily want to be a soccer player. If you wanted to be a, if you wanted to work in sports medicine or be a sports therapist, things like that. I feel like those are all things that we still need a large amount of diversity in the, in the world of sport. And I would love for my team or my school or my organization to work on a lot of that stuff and just a lot of education around the entire game to create a true culture for the game. Because I, I think that's what we're missing in America is that basketball, you hear music and there's fashion and stuff tied into it. Not to say that there isn't that in America, but if you go over to London and stuff like that, they talk about soccer and the culture and the music all the time. And I feel like that's truly the, the key aspect we're missing is finding that little bit of culture that connects us and that brings soccer into our daily lives. So that's what I'm hoping to create. And yeah, hopefully in 10 years, we'll be checking back in at the grand opening. Stokely Davis will end with this. As you've heard me say, we had Nicole Hercules right before you, knowing that the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group is celebrating 25 years. What does that mean to you to know that the arms are wide open for you? I'm so excited because I feel like it's just the perfect time for me to be able to step into this role of learning and information and growing and learning about just my powers as a, a young African-American coach and be able to teach other people coming after me. I feel like that now we have this strong foundation that I can 
reach out and connect with and grow from. And it's not like I'm starting something new where I'm fumbling through and I'm falling and stuff like that. I have people that have seen the pitfalls and the mountaintops. And so I'm so excited to just be able to learn from them and pick their brain and ask as many questions as I can, honestly. Just two days after celebrating the amazing life of Martin Luther King Jr., our 30 under 30 member, a proud black man looking to make a difference in his hometown of Chicago, Stokely Davis. What a great way to wrap up this week's convention edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I'm proud of you, young man. Keep it going, okay? Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm truly honored. It was my honor to get to know Stokely Davis and all seven of our amazing guests. It's convention time. I want to thank Jeff Van Dusen, the CEO, and his incredible staff, Erica Dyer, who is doing great work, Bailey Conklin, Sean Chevro, Brandon Milburn, who's really knocking it out of the park on Podcast Row and stepping up big to help on this podcast, Toby, everybody, Steve, Pat, you know who you are, the great people at United Soccer Coaches, And, of course, we do it all for you, the members of United Soccer Coaches. On behalf of them all, I'm Dean Linke saying have a great convention, and we'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.